All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to share with you the official 10-game Denver Nuggets and NBA update as we're taking the night off from the NBA uh, due to election coverage and the, the uh, national voting days today, basically. This is when the elections are all decided. As I currently record this on Tuesday night, results are filing in, so hopefully everything works out for whoever you care for. But on this podcast, we are going to take a little bit of a step back from the immediate on this Nuggets team, and we're going to do a 10-game Denver Nuggets and NBA update. And what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to go through facts and figures in the first segment. I'm going to do some uh, more qualitative analysis, just asking general questions answering them for you in the second segment. And then we're going to look at the rest of the Western Conference and the NBA hierarchy and figure out where Denver currently stands within that group. And I'm going to try to do this every 10 games. So there'll be a 10-game Nuggets update, a 20-game, a 30-game. And whether this actually works or not, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts as to whether you think that this is a valuable exercise. But this is a good way for me to share with you some big picture stuff can go through the nitty-gritty in each of the individual games between games 1 to 10. But after that point, it's good to look back. It's good to kind of assess what's going on with this Nuggets team. So we're going to do that. We're going to start with the facts and figures. I've got five or at least five uh, different bullet points that I'm really going to try to cover here. Let's go through the first one. This is the Nuggets starting lineup. The Nuggets starters have played 117 minutes together. That's Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Obviously, each of those guys, except for Jokic and Gordon, actually, have missed a game or two here or there. So they've only played 117 minutes, but that's still the fifth most minutes of any NBA lineup at this stage, which is interesting to me. It's it's always kind of a Malone thing to do. But it's not like he's trying to overplay the starters to start the season, you know? I think Denver just has a really steady group, and it makes a lot of sense. There's no real questions as to what they should do with their starting lineup. So they're plus 42 in those 117 minutes, and they're shooting 43.4% from three with those five players on the court. That's patently insane. That's incredible. And if that continues throughout the entire regular season, Denver will finish as the top offense in the NBA. You can guarantee that. Take that to the bank. Because most teams don't do that. Most teams don't have the talent to take care of that. But the good thing about Denver is that it's not just the offense right now with that group that's working. So I decided to lower the threshold a little bit. There have been 37 total Units, total lineups, five-man groups that have played at least 50 minutes so far this season. 37. The net rating for Denver is plus 16.5 with that group. Uh, To give you a good perspective, plus four is probably about a 50-win team. Plus six is probably about a 55 to 60-win team. Anything higher than that and you're really going skyward. Denver's at plus 16.5. Now, there are obviously other lineups that Denver plays throughout the game, and most of those have a lower net rating than what their starters do. But given that they play the fifth most minutes of any 
lineup so far, it's good to have a lineup that really works. The Nuggets are, they rank 8th out of 37 total units in the NBA with that plus 16.5 net rating. And I don't think they've hit their stride fully yet. I think that they can get better, at least in different aspects of the game. Now, their offensive rating is 118.1 points per 100 possessions. That ranks 6th out of 37 teams. What really caught me by surprise were the next two numbers. That lineup's defensive rating right now is 101.6, which ranks 6th out of 37 units. Denver has the 6th best offense and the 6th best defense. They have both been really good, which is not what I expected. I expected the defense to be up closer to 110 or 115, and for this lineup to not have fully worked, but okay, you win your minutes most of the time, that's great. They rank 6th out of 37 teams, or 37 different units, in defensive rating, which I did not expect at all. They also have a 104.57 pace, and what that means is they average about 104.5 possessions per game. That ranks 4th out of 37 teams. That's crazy. That is so fast. The Nuggets have never played that fast with Jokic before. He doesn't usually operate that quickly. And yet Denver is getting out in fast breaking. MPJ has been a killer on the fast break. KCP, when he gets to spot up, really good. Aaron Gordon, when he's streaking, hard to stop him. There's just a lot to like when Denver plays fast. And they're playing faster than almost any team, at least with that unit. So that's really, really interesting to me. Denver starters, they've gotten off to a great start. Jamal Murray isn't at his best. MPJ, probably not at his best either. Jokic, probably not at his best either. So they're going to have some good runway to get even better, and that should excite everybody involved. Number two, let's look at the MPJ plus bench data. Let's look at that lineup. There are two lineups that have played significant time. It's not really crazy, and I'm not going to go too in-depth because I still think that we need a larger sample size with both of these groups, but the Bones, Bruce Brown, MPJ, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan lineup has only played 21 minutes. That's, that caught me by surprise. Now, I think Denver's had some injuries here or there. I think Zeke played in one of those lineups. I think uh, the other lineup with Christian Brown, that has definitely had some usage for sure. But only 21 minutes for that group caught me by surprise. That lineup is plus two in 21 minutes. That's traditional plus minus, nothing crazy. The next group of Bones, Christian Brown, in place of Bruce Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, is plus 15 in 23 minutes. Now, I find that fascinating. We've talked about Bruce Brown. We've talked about what his role is, how he fits with both the starters and the bench. His fit with the starters, definitely better. His fit with the bench, not great. Not really sure what he does. And so I wonder if Denver still has some work to do with him in the in the second unit. Because if Denver's healthy, there's no reason for Bruce Brown to be in the starting lineup. So he's going to be playing bench minutes. Like that's just how it goes. Denver's going to have to figure out a better configuration 
And I think I have a solution. I think it's going to involve Christian Brown at the three, Michael Porter at the four, and DeAndre Jordan at the five, and not playing with Jeff Green. However, that's going to be interesting. We're going to have to figure that one out. And I doubt that Michael Malone gets to that one anytime soon. But interesting with those lineups, MPJ with the bench, I wanted to check this because I thought that there was some grounds to it. Bones Highland's usage so far this year is 31.3%. That is really high. That is superstar level usage. Nikola Jokic has never had 31.3% usage, if I'm not mistaken. He, he might have actually like in this, in this last year, but let's just check that real quick just to make sure I'm not crazy. Bones at 31.3. Last year, Nikola Jokic was at 31.9. So, okay. That's crazy. That is a crazy number, and it's not surprising to me. If you had listened to this podcast, you know, I was preaching that Bones was going to get a lot of shots because nobody else really deserves to handle the ball with that group. So, 31.3 is high. It's 24% with Jokic and 34% without him. So, it's actually like even higher than what it really represents. So Denver's going to have to figure out how to balance that out because Bones is going to, like he's going to falter at some points if he's handling the ball that much. And opposing teams are going to be able to figure that out real quick. Now, Michael Porter is even more interesting because with that bench lineup, his usage actually goes down. On the season, he's at 21.9%. He's at 22.1% with Jokic and 19.9% without Jokic. So some of those are circumstantial. It's so early. I know he's only played nine games, so it's not like I can sit here and and make large sweeping conclusions. But I do think that Denver needs to find a way to involve him more with that second unit. Bones is running everything with that group. They need to find a way to balance that out just a little bit more. Number three, Michael Porter Jr. has shot exactly 50% from three. In seven of his first nine games, he shot 80% in one game and 30% in the other. That was Denver's loss to the Lakers. To say that Michael Porter Jr. is an elite shooter, it might be underselling him at this point. Sometimes you need somebody who can get hotter than 50%. But when I say how valuable it is to know that MPJ is going to shoot 50% from three, The Nuggets can approach games knowing that that can happen and knowing that it probably will happen at this stage because of how great of a shooter he is. That takes some serious focus. It takes some serious shooting skill. He takes some really tough shots. I think the step back three that he takes, he's probably shooting a little bit lower on that than he's when he's just spotting up. But it is really interesting that he's been at that level, despite this being his first nine games since last year's nine games. Think about how differently we feel about Michael Porter from last year's nine to this year's nine. It's crazy. It's night and day. Number four, Jamal Murray's minutes per game, points per game, and plus minus are all on the upward trajectory. They kind of swing up and down still, as is the case with most every stat, because you're not just going to have a full linear progression or else I'd be thinking that Jamal Murray's a robot. 
but they are all trending up. And as we've seen from his minute totals, he's been playing 30 minutes when Denver's not blowing teams out. He's been at that threshold. I didn't expect him to be there. But whenever Denver's healthy and whenever uh, they're not blowing teams out, he's at the 25 to 30 minutes threshold, which is crazy to me. That's, that is so much higher than I thought it was going to be. He's really close to just being back to normal in terms of his actual minute workload. Now, Denver's going to try to curtail that just a little bit. He's still on a minute restriction. Playing him over 35 minutes is not something that Michael Malone's going to do if he can help it. But the more that Murray just shows that he's making strides, the more that Michael Malone's going to push him. And that's great. That's a great thing because you push him early. He gets that. He gets those legs under him a little bit. And then he's playing great once the second half and the playoffs roll around. Should be great. And then last one here, number five. These are overall team ratings on cleaning the glass. The Nuggets are ninth in point differential at plus 3.3 points per 100 possessions. So what that means is cleaning the glass I like to use, especially early on in the regular season, because it factors out any garbage time that you're playing. So Denver, they've been blown out a couple times, even within the garbage time of Utah, of Portland. When you get into those situations, you get a quick minus six or a minus eight from your deep bench unit that doesn't have any bearing on the game. And those show up in the net ratings, at least for sites that don't factor out garbage time. Cleaning the glass does factor that out. And it paints a rosier picture of Denver that they're ninth in point differential at plus 3.3. They're a little bit better, I think, than some of the other sites give them credit for. Third in offense at 117.5 points per 100 possessions. That is 0.1 points away from first place, which is tied between Utah and Boston. That's a really good sign. Denver's moving up very quickly on that front, and they haven't really slowed down. Their offense is just rolling right now. On the offensive front, the frequency of where they get their shots is important. They are 11th in location EFG percentage. What that means is they're focusing on getting to the free throw line, focusing on getting shots at the rim, focusing on getting shots from three. So they're 11th there, which means that I don't expect too much of a regression because their actual EFG percentage versus their expected is higher. Their actual EFG is 58.9. That is the best in the NBA. Their expected was that 54.5 number. So they're about four and a half points higher than expected. Part of that is because they've got talented as hell shooters. Like those guys can shoot the basketball. Part of it might come with some regression. So don't be surprised if some of those shooters slow down here at some point. But it is nice to see that they're at the best in the NBA in terms of EFG. Now, on the flip side, defensively, 22nd in defense at 114.2 points per 100. They're 15th in location EFG percentage, which means that you give, you're giving up an expected 54.3% EFG. The actual EFG that they're allowing is 55.7, so 25th in the NBA. So you can think about this from two ways. 
On one hand, their offense is probably due for some regression. They're a little bit separated from that mark, and they'll probably come down just a little bit. But on defense, that number will probably come down just a little bit too, making their defense a little bit better. Teams are hitting shots against them, even if Denver's allowing decent shots. Right now, they're allowing the 10th most threes, but the 16th most shots at the rim. And they're also allowing the second fewest long twos, despite playing drop coverage. So that is probably a bad indicator, not necessarily something good. Denver, they should be allowing more long twos and more short mid-range twos. They should be allowing fewer threes and fewer shots at the rim than they are. I think that they'll ultimately get there as everybody kind of gets adjusted and into the flow, as they really start to ramp it up against some good teams. Because sometimes Denver plays to the level of their competition, as everybody here well knows. So once they play some better offenses, I actually think that they'll show up a little bit better. Number three, or not number three, but teams are also shooting better on above-the-break threes against them than they are against in corner threes. Given that they play drop coverage, and given that Jokic is kind of in the paint, not necessarily contesting out up top, and the corner defenders are kind of staying home a little bit more, it's not a real surprise. I don't think that's necessarily going to have some regression, or at least not a a major amount of regression. But keep it in mind, Denver should still probably be like... I don't know how to grade them offensively because Murray's going to get better. Porter's going to get better. Jokic is going to get better. Bones is going to get better. Or at least that's my impression. And I think that their defense should probably get better too. So it may not happen that way, but that if I was to bet on it, I'd bet on them playing better, especially over the course of these next 10 to 20 games. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go more qualitative and talk about uh, talk through some of the individual questions that are facing Denver's players and their coach. We will be right back. All right, we're back. Pick Axe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I want to tell you a little bit about Superbook Sports as we get back into uh, the football discussion and the basketball, the betting discussion. Nobody's more excited to help you out with that than your friends at Superbook Sports. I was just looking at odds today for the Denver Nuggets, for the Denver Broncos, and I like Denver, the Nuggets odds better just a little bit because they're still at 16 to 1 to win the title there. And Jokic has dropped down to 25 to 1 to win MVP. I thought that was surprising because even though he hasn't like been fantastic, still putting up pretty good numbers. He's not even shooting that much. So if he does average a triple-double on like 65% true shooting, he's going to be in the conversation if Denver's winning like 57, 58 games, which I think that they will. So Superbook, they're ringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands and you can match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000 with their money, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football or in the arena to enjoy basketball this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. 
Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Speaking of Nikola Jokic, let's talk about the big fella. Let's talk about, I've got some qualitative questions here. I've got five different questions, and I'm probably going to ask most of these questions about the same topics every 10 games, unless there's something that really kind of stands out differently. How's Nikola Jokic doing? That's really the one that is going to lead pretty much every discussion because he's the one who's going to give Denver their best chance for a championship, no matter what. Nikola Jokic still playing very well. I think given how I reacted over the course of the like the previous couple days, I've sort of turned a different leaf on where Jokic is at because I've sort of seen the evidence now of him truly looking for his teammates, trying to get them going. And then when Denver needed him most against San Antonio, he stepped up, took a lot of shots, tried to be involved. Even if he was missing some of those, he was doing the right things. And the right thing at that time was putting up shots. And he did it. He did it in response. And Denver won as a result. So I think that he's doing pretty well. It's hard for me to argue against him doing pretty well right now and then just being in a good position. When he wants to, his defense is better. Over the course of the last couple games against San Antonio, his defense was pretty good, where he's stepping up, attacking ball handlers as opposed to kind of letting them come to him and drop. And Denver's playing a better game as a result of it. So I wonder if they try to mix in a little bit more at the level and blitzing coverage over the course of these next uh, few weeks. Even though drop is going to keep them healthier, it's going to keep them a little bit more energized in general, I do think that he's so much better at playing the other coverages. So hopefully that continues to go well, but overall, He doesn't necessarily look his happiest. He doesn't necessarily look like he's enjoying himself right now, but he's showing up to work every day. He's putting in the work. He's doing what it takes to win. The Nuggets are seven and three. Even with two guys coming back from injury in Murray and MPJ, who are still trying to figure their own stuff out. So I think Jokic has been a good leader. He's helped out. He has stepped up when Denver has needed him. So that's a good thing. Number two, how close to back are Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Visually speaking, Michael Porter's back already. There's no doubt about it. That dude, the confidence that he's taking his shots with right now is unparalleled. There are very few players in the NBA that believe their shot is going in with as much frequency as Michael Porter Jr. does. He'll take tough shots, but the easy ones, the ones where he gets to really set up and uh, stare down the hoop for a little bit, those ones are great. Those ones you know that he is lining up and is perfectly making every single time. And he'll make them like 70% of the time and the 30% that he doesn't, like, what the hell? Why did that happen? But he is so, so good. He's so back. His back looks great. Like he's playing pretty well. He's moving really well. He's leaping. He's getting off the ground really well. He got he got a little tired at the end of game 10 against San Antonio on Monday night. Is that cause for concern? No. 
I do think that it's been undersold a little bit that he probably needs to work back his conditioning as well, where he didn't play as much basketball as he probably wanted to in the offseason as he's just rehabbing. But he did play, and he did some good things. And I think when game 40 rolls around, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's going the same direction, he should be perfectly reasonable. There should be no reason why he can't play 35 to 38 minutes with relative ease because he's that kind of player. Now, Murray, I do think that it was overstated just a little bit how back he is, given that he's had some good games. Last four games in a row, been really, really good, or at least they've been going in the right direction. I've loved what I've seen from him because it's just nice to have that. It's nice to have that version of a player who you can go back and forth with playing the two-man game, running offense, knowing that the shot that you're going to put up is really, really good. And Murray has helped Denver get to that place. He's so talented. He's so consistent once he gets into that rhythm. I don't think he's quite there in terms of like, oh yeah, this is all-star Jamal Murray. But he'll eventually get there. I don't think there's any question about that now that we've seen him get to this threshold. If he hadn't gotten to this threshold, I think it might be a concern as to whether he can fully grow back to kind of the all-star, all-NBA caliber player he was back in the bubble. But I think, I I just don't really see any reason why he can't get to that level again. The athleticism is going to come back. It takes time. Usually, I'm pretty sure it's two years after the initial injury when the athleticism is going to look more or less the same. And as it turns out, that's mid-April for Jamal. So he's got plenty of time until then. He's got five months until then where he can ramp up, play the way he's playing, get better and better and better. He'll have some setbacks here or there where it doesn't necessarily look great. But I do think that he and NPJ are in a good spot. Now, number three, which pro, which role players, excuse me, are stepping up the most? Aaron Gordon, he's averaging, I think, 14 points per game right now, which is pretty good, pretty reasonable given the number of shots that he's actually taking, which isn't a lot. KCP, he's stepping up and playing extremely well. He's just so steady with what the Nuggets have asked of him consistently. KCP at this point is averaging just 11.3 points per game, but he's a 3.6 assist, or 3.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.6 steals, 52.4% from three. I know I'm not supposed to be sharing a whole bunch of numbers here, but it's clear that KCP has stepped in and just been a perfect fit for what the Nuggets have wanted him to be. He has stepped up the most of anybody, in my opinion. Now, Bones Highland, he deserves some credit for helping Denver win a couple games here or there. He's not going to be great every night, though. And so Denver needs the steadiness of somebody like a Bruce Brown next to him. Brown all the way down to 41% from three now after starting extremely hot. But he's at 10 points and four assists too. So there's capability there. There's a level of consistency there from just about everybody. Jeff Green, I think, is probably the guy that if you're looking at somebody 
within the rotation who hasn't stepped up extremely well, it's probably Jeff. But he's not really expected to. He's their eighth man right now. If you've got Bones at six, or no, you've got Bruce at six, Bones at seven, Jeff Green at eight. I think it's very reasonable to think, okay, maybe that's the spot that you eventually upgrade if you need to. But I think if that's where we're at and the rest of the rotation has looked like it has, Denver's going to be just fine. Number four, where's the bench at as a whole? As I mentioned, Denver in the in the first segment especially, Denver's got a couple of configurations that they've been going to with Bones, Christian Brown, MPJ, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. And then you sub in Bruce Brown. When everybody's healthy, Bruce Brown is going to be in that second unit. Now, when there's a guy missing, and I think that we're going to see that here or there relatively soon with the starters, Bruce Brown is going to move into that starting lineup. And that could be for any of the four guys, I think. I actually think that even if Aaron Gordon missed, I think they'd probably move MPJ to the four, and they'd probably play Bruce Brown, KCP, and Jamal Murray in the backcourt. And that would be great. That's a great lineup still. Denver hasn't really gotten to MPJ at the four yet, but either way, uh, I'm, I'm tangenting here. The bench has been fine. I think where we're at with this is that Denver, on most nights, is going to be at about a minus two from that bench unit. Sometimes they'll be minus 10. Sometimes they'll be plus five. On the occasional night, they'll be plus 20 or minus 20. And then Denver's, uh, one way or another, they're going to have to really fight. But for the most part, given that Michael Porter has really staggered with that group, he's played really well, and he's added something to that group as a floor spacer, they've still been okay. I do think that there are some ways that Denver can improve. As I mentioned in the first segment, I would like to see MPJ at the four with DeAndre Jordan at the five, and then you play Bones, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown. We'll eventually see that. I have no doubt that that'll eventually come to pass. I do think that Zeke Nashi at some point is going to also have to play. He's currently doubtful, I think, for this next game on Wednesday. But at some point, Zeke is going to have to play. They're going to have to see some stuff from him, whether it's at the four, whether it's at the five. It might not be a bad idea, given the way that DeAndre Jordan has played, who's shooting 79% from the field. And 81% from the free throw line, or no, that's not true. That's 81% EFG because he's shooting 100% from the three-point line. He's only shooting 50% from the the free throw line. But Christian Brown, Davon Reed, those guys are also doing that. Aaron Gordon shooting 56% from the line. So hard to really blame DeAndre individually there. But I think that DeAndre has been what Denver's needed. Bones is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. DeAndre Jordan's very willing to give him the ball, screen for him anytime he wants to. And honestly, that's fine. Like, I can sit here and bemoan, oh man, they should probably have somebody who's better at the short roll because Bones is about to get double teamed. Or, oh, they should probably have somebody who could space the floor a little bit so that they can kind of spread the floor and not necessarily have to go uh, traditional pick and roll. But... They're going to be fine. Bones Highland needs these reps. 
He's going to figure a lot of things out over the course of these next few days and few weeks. And I think DeAndre Jordan is a big part of that, which is cool. That's that's a storyline I did not expect. And number five, is Michael Malone pushing the right buttons? This one, a lot of people are going to kind of scoff at because a lot of people want to think the worst of Malone. A lot of people want to think the best of Malone. They want they like he can do no wrong in their case. The answer is obviously somewhere in the middle. Malone isn't perfect. He's definitely not going to make every correct decision. But I do think over the course of these last few games, he's come to a rotation that makes so much sense. It's almost perfect. Where you have MPJ going out early, Bruce Brown coming in, then you've got Bones and Jeff Green and those guys filing in, playing next to Jokic for a little bit. Then DeAndre Jordan comes in for Jokic and in comes Michael Porter at the same time. And he replaces KCP. The way that they've been playing that, where you always tie somebody like KCP to Jokic, and you always tie MPJ to the minutes that Jokic doesn't play, that has really propped things up for Denver. I don't have the full number in front of me, and I know this is qualitative, so I won't focus in on it, but I'm pretty sure that Denver's played like 50 minutes without their big three on the court, and they've had like a minus 45 net rating in those minutes. They've lost them so badly. Some of that is garbage time. Some of that is the all-bench lineup. Either way, it's been horrible. And so Denver, they've had to figure things out. Michael Malone has helped them figure things out. He's put Christian Brown in a situation where he can succeed. He's finding ways to deploy Bruce Brown with the starters. He's closed with Bruce Brown at times in place of Michael Porter, and it's worked. He's played Michael Porter through some mistakes and then closed at times with Michael Porter, and that's worked too. Through it all, he's stuck with Jamal Murray. He made that clear from the get-go that no matter how he plays, he's going to put Jamal Murray into into positions where he can develop and grow. And that has helped fast-track Jamal Murray's return. Because if Jamal didn't have these reps where he's consistently working with Jokic on various things, it would be so different. And Denver probably doesn't win their most recent game against San Antonio. If in the previous games... Malone didn't stick with Murray. So, with all that said, I think that Malone's been pretty good. I honestly do. I know that some people get tired of the Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan lineup, or they they roll their eyes at benching the 50% three-point shooter that's 6'10". I get it. I understand. He's not perfect. But he's also not bad. And I think Denver, in this stage, they're a better team because Michael Malone has been their coach. That's a cool thing to say. He's in a, he's under a lot of stress. And we're going to check back in about every 10 games or so. Really try to hone in on where Denver's at. Especially with him. But so far, I think you have to say this is successful. This is pretty good. It's hard to really complain. So, I'm not complaining. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss where Denver stands in the West and NBA hierarchies. We will be right back.
Backflips final segment, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about some of the teams in the Western Conference, some of the teams in the East, just kind of where everybody else is at in relation to where the Nuggets are at, because I think that's a it's a good conversation to have at this stage. Uh, some of these teams have shown up and played great. Like, I'm going to start with the division. Utah, they're first in the West. Nine and three. One of their three losses is to the Houston Rockets, who are two and nine and currently the worst team in the NBA. One of these losses was to the Nuggets, who they caught Utah, I'm pretty sure, at a pretty bad time, but they still blew the doors off of Utah. And so it's hard to really figure out who at the top is truly great and who at the top is probably a little bit of fool's gold. I think that Utah is pretty good. I saw them in Utah. I saw what they did to the Nuggets. I know they caught Denver by surprise more than anything, but it would not surprise me if they finished with like 45 wins, 48 wins, somewhere around there. They're already like 20% of the way to 45 wins, and they're only like 12% of the way into the season. So there's something to be said for that, where you just pace yourself a little bit and try to get some wins early on against a bad team or against uh, teams that are expecting you to be a bad team. And lo and behold, Utah's at the top. Will they stay that way? I doubt it. Portland, they are 7-3. and three. They're looking really good. They're tied with Denver, currently third in the West while Denver's fourth. Minnesota, they're currently 10th. At five and six, they are they have a negative point differential, have not been great. Uh, the vibes are not very good with them. Anthony Edwards is clearly not taking it well when playing with either Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert or both. He's uh he's not in a great place. And I've never been that much of an Anthony Edwards guy. Like I think he's I think he's good. I don't think he's the superstar that a lot of people made him out to be, but there's plenty of time still in his third year, and he could turn things around tomorrow. And then there's OKC. Denver's won both of their matchups against OKC so far this year. That is a pretty impressive thing, in my opinion. Denver doesn't usually do that. They're not usually uh, consistent when it comes to playing OKC. But they figured it out, and they made it work. OKC's four and six. They're currently above Golden State, who is four and seven. They're probably the contender that I'm not. I'm not really worried about them. But four and seven is four and seven. Like that's not a good record. No matter if you're going to come back and win the next fifty games in a row, like four and seven isn't great. They have some stuff to figure out with their bench. They don't have as much elite depth as I think a lot of people thought they would. With uh, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, all like still super young, still trying to figure some things out. Like they're fine. If they're put into a great position, they'll be okay. But I just don't think those guys are really going to be the answer for Golden State at this point. So you've got their starters with Steph, Clay, 
Andrew Wiggins, Draymond, and Kevon Looney. You've got Jordan Poole, who has started the season pretty, pretty slow and will figure some things out, but currently not great. And then who else on that team are you really counting on? Is it Dante DiVincenzo? Okay, that's seven. Is it Jamichael Green? I don't know. So it's it's not really clear as to who their guys are, but their starting five has been killer. So once they do figure out the back end of their rotation, they're going to be a title contender once again. Like it's that I'm not concerned about that for them. Now the Clippers, if they don't have Kawhi Leonard, then it's going to look really weird. They're currently six and five, which sounds great, but they have a minus 3.7 point differential, not necessarily playing great basketball, got a little bit lucky at various points, and they just don't strike me as an elite team quite yet. Will they get there? Maybe. They might get there. They might be fine. I just don't view them as like, like they're clearly not with Denver right now in terms of their quality. They might get there, and if Kawhi plays and plays well, maybe they'll figure some things out. But I think I trust Denver more than I trust the Clippers right now, which that might be biased, but I just don't see a real reason why. Phoenix, they're great, like 7-3, and three, though they did lose Cam Johnson just now to a meniscus tear. He had surgery. I don't know what the timetable is for that, but I'm pretty sure it's like five, six weeks or so. He'll come back. We're going to see, though. We're going to see if they can hold out. Um, Torrey Craig is currently their starter, if I'm not mistaken, because Jay Crowder is still not back with the team. They do not have a lot of depth at the forward spots. They've got more guards and wings. They've got a couple bigs. They don't really have that many forwards. So, Mikhail Bridges, Torrey Craig, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know who else they have. Um, let's look. Let's look. We're here. Might as well. Um, so we've got Damian Lee. We've got Josh Okogie. Uh, that's it. That's, that's really all they've got in terms of depth there. So they play really small. When it comes to playing without Jay Crowder, when it comes to playing without Cam Johnson. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how that evolves for them. Like Jock Landell, they have Bismack Biombo playing in place of Aiton at various points. They're going to be fine. Like they're going to be a wins machine. But they have a major weakness when it comes to the playoffs. And Chris Paul has definitely slowed down too. So I'm curious. Like they're, they're still a great team. They're still playing really well. But they're not the same scary team that they were. Dallas is better than I thought that they would be. Memphis, about what I thought that they would be. They're fine. They're not great. New Orleans, a little bit worse than I thought that they would be, but they've had some injury issues. They'll kind of figure that out. They have a really high point differential as opposed to the Clippers. Basically the inverse, despite having about the same record. So... I'd expect the Pelicans to figure some things out here. Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, they've got plenty of talent. They'll figure it out. The contenders in the East, Boston's playing really well. Milwaukee's playing really well. Cleveland's playing really well. 
Not sure if we should consider them a contender or not, but they have the best point differential in the entire league. So I think you got to give them some credit. Atlanta, I don't really believe in them that much, but they are currently 7-3 and three as well. Toronto, 6-5. and five. Miami, they're currently all the way down at 4-7. and seven. They're not a good team. Like, straight up, they, they aren't great. They've had some close losses. They had a buzzer beater loss to Portland at home. That wasn't great. I don't know what they do at power forward because clearly Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler are not the answers there. Like Jimmy's a 2-3. It's not a 4. And then uh, Philly and Brooklyn, two teams that hurt by injuries right now, but also hurt by absences and distractions and things of that nature. Neither of those teams is very good. They're both at 10 and 11 in the Eastern Conference right now, respectively. So will they figure some things out? Sure. Embiid missed plenty of games. He'll come back and be good. Um, But Tyrese Maxey hasn't been the player that they thought he would be. And James Harden's out for a month. So we will see what Philly does. Brooklyn, I'm expecting Kevin Durant to demand a trade at some point. Like They just can't keep going like this. There's no reason for him to be there. Uh, There's no reason for them to keep holding things out like this. Now, where does Denver fit into all this? Why have I just listed the entire NBA, basically? Well, it's hard to figure out exactly where Denver ranks. Right now, they're ninth in net rating. They are 17th in simple rating system on basketball reference uh, due to having the easiest strength of schedule in the NBA, even though they're 7-3. and three. I think SRS is basically saying with a normal schedule, they'd be 5-5. Five and five. I'm not sure if I believe in that. But the same could be said for Dunks and Threes, the website that measures a lot of, like they measure estimated plus minus and things like that. They have Denver as a team at 16th in their team rating due to the third easiest strength of schedule. So what I'd probably take from that is that Denver should be 7-3. and three. They're not really impressing anybody by being 7-3. and three. This is what people expected, even though Murray was coming back, even though Porter was coming back. It's good that Denver's gotten those wins, but it's really just par for the course. So in my mind, Denver's not really playing like a top five team just yet, at least not consistently. If I were to list uh, the top five to seven teams, I'd probably go Milwaukee, Phoenix, Cleveland, Boston, Dallas. You got to throw Utah in there, of course. And I guess I'd throw maybe Toronto in there, although it's hard to tell sometimes, like maybe Portland gets to they get to be in there themselves. So all of those teams in my opinion, I think they've played better than Denver. Though teams like Golden State, the Clippers, Minnesota, Miami, they've all played worse. So Denver's trending up. I feel like they're in a good spot where over the course of their next 10 games or so, they can really start to figure some things out and get rolling here. But their next 10 games, especially their their recent one, or their, their close ones now, are a little bit tougher. Here's where all of the teams that they play in the next 10 games rank according to dunks and threes and their adjusted net rating for strength of schedule. At Indiana, Indiana's 18th. 
at Boston. Boston's fourth at Chicago. They're 10th versus New York at home. They're 15th at Dallas twice in a row. They're third versus Detroit. They're 30th back-to-back at OKC, who's 24th, but you know how OKC plays Denver. At the Clippers, who are 20th, but they're better than 20th. There's no doubt in my mind. And then versus Houston, they're 25th. They could probably be 30th. Denver's got a tough schedule. They've got some teams that give them trouble. Uh, Boston gives them trouble. Chicago gives them trouble. OKC gives them trouble. Dallas kind of gives them trouble too with the way that they run spread pick and roll. So it's going to be a tough test. Denver's going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to do it quickly. But they have the opportunity here to really build upon going seven and three. If you go seven and three again, then you're 14 and six. I think I predicted that Denver would go nine and five during the month of January. So this would be outpacing that if they were to go seven and three. I think I expect them to probably go six and six or six and four or five and five in this stretch. But if they go seven and three, that is really, really good. That's a great sign. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all I've got. Longer podcast today so that everybody can really understand the numbers, understand where Denver's at, have me share my opinions. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. Denver plays Indiana early in the day. I think it's 5 o'clock now, so make sure to stay tuned for that one and understand that game's going to be pretty early. Should be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.